0: And welcome to another lecture given by the Syracuse
1: New York class. My name is Sharon Welch, and I'll be your moderator for this evening's class. The school is not The school is a nonprofit non-denominational religious and scientific research organization dedicated and showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan, operating throughout eternity to this present day. The school is a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Hemmer Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. Since that time, we have... uh, established branch schools throughout the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. New York, our Syracuse class was established in 1969. At this time, I'd like to um, recognize that our Dean of the Syracuse class is Dr. Patrick Trivison, and our Vice President is Dr. John Kennedy. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the word of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and that there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a divine title that means Elohim is the title that the creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet. that would produce the sound that is made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1,400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and his Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit. And in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because the cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have this cloud paint, all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart abides within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh knowing that man cannot perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine vision and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we must ask ourselves is what was the name of the Messiah at the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in the school we teach by a divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we... Sh- we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. Our 10 primary constitutional aims and objectives are as follows. First is to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second is to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity and Yashpur the Messiah without the distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third is to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth is to encourage and promote the study of the scripture, comparative religion, Psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth is to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth is to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensation and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensation of time. Eighth is to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth is to make known that Yahweh, from the beginning, ordained, there is no other name given among men, whereby man can be saved, saving the name Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth is to inherit eternal life now, in the kingdom of Yahshua, the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the new world state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. At this time, I'd like to have the class dedicated in prayer uh, by, um, by Dr. Jennifer Miller from our Syracuse, New York class. And that'll be followed by a scripture reading which is John, the first chapter, verses 35 to 51. And that will be read by Dr. Gary Myers from our Gates, New York class. And on our scripture, other scripture reading is Dr. Deb Kennedy from our Syracuse, New York class. Dr.
0: Miller. Good evening, class. Let's take a moment To bow our hearts and our minds to our Heavenly Father, Yahshua, and thank Him for all the blessings He's bestowed upon us. Thank you, thank Him for being our rock, our faith, holding us up, keeping us strong in love for Him and His purpose thanking him for separating us from the world and keeping us at peace during such chaos, because we know without him in our heart and our mind, we couldn't have peace. He is our peace and he is our strength. And just ask him to keep us strong until the end. With that, let us all say, Hallelujah. Mm -hmm.
2: Tonight's reading will be taken out of the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts, revised by A.B. Trina, the Scripture Research Association, Incorporated. First John, or John 1.35. Again, the next day after, John stood and two of his disciples. And looking upon Yahshua as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of Yahweh. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Yahshua. Then Yahshua turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, Where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And in the morning he followeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Yahshua. And when Yahshua beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Kepha. The the day following, Yahshua went forth unto Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Yahshua of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see Joshua saw Nathanael coming to him and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Joshua answered and saith unto him, Before that Philip called thee, then when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of Elohim, thou art the king of Israel. Yahshua answered and said, said unto him, because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of Yahweh ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That's John, first chapter, verse 35 to 51.
1: Thank you, Dr. Miller and Dr. Myers. Um, at this time uh, to call on the first speaker, I will call on Dr. Patrick Triveson to announce that.
0: Dr. Triveson. Good evening, everybody. For our first speaker this evening, we'll hear from Dr. Sharon Welch from the Syracuse branch. Mm-hmm.
1: Giving it back to me, huh? <laughs> okay. Um, well, let's see what we can do with this uh, scripture reading. It's always a honor and a pleasure to, um, have anything to say um, about this great teaching and to help me and all of us to understand more of uh, Yahweh's uh, purpose, pattern, and plan for our salvation, which is what, you know, today I heard somebody say in class that, uh, you know, what is the purpose of Yahweh, which is, yashua basically because yahweh is yahweh is salvation and that is the purpose um, that we come together you know two three times a week um to uh like i miss the point of the moderation that says that this is a school and not a church so when you go to school you know, you go to school to learn. And uh, that's what we do down here. We learn about Yahweh's purpose. And Yahweh's purpose is right within Yahshua's name. Because that was his purpose of coming into down into this world to... Uh, a lot of, you know, reasons he did, first of all, he had to fulfill the law and the prophets or the old covenant. That was his purpose while he was in the flesh. And after that, after he did that, and he said, it is finished, then his purpose was to bring salvation, which is you know, Matthew 121, let's get it because you never know. We've got people, we're, we're live on YouTube. We don't know who's listening to us. So let's get um, Matthew 121, which is when Yahshua is coming into the flesh. And it tells you what his purpose is right there in that in that verse. So go ahead and read that for me, please.
3: One twenty-one, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Yahshua, for he shall save his people from their sins.
1: Now, this is an angel of Yahweh coming to Joseph, which is engaged or espoused, is what they say, to marry. They're not married yet. Right? And he's telling... Joseph that Mary is going to, is pregnant and that she is going to bring forth a son. Now, mind you, they knew not of each other. You know, it says that in there that they never came together um, in an intercourse where a normal birth would take place that did not happen. She was impregnated by the Holy spirit. And that's what the angel of Yahweh is telling Joseph for she shall bring forth the son. Now, first of all, you know, wait, what, why, what do you mean? She's pregnant and you already know what she's going to (laughs) have, you know, and, uh, I mean, they do that now. You can tell, you know, what you're going to have way up front, but they didn't know that back then. They didn't have sonograms, you know? So how, how are they going to know uh, what she's going to have if it's not inspired by Yahweh? So she shall bring forth a son and you're going to call his name. Now, one of the uh, opportunities or the pleasures that our parents have have is to name their child so here poor Joseph is you know confused like what wait a minute you know and you're, you're gonna name my son or the son you know of Mary How, why is that happening because she he she is being pregnated by the Holy Spirit which is Joshua and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Joshua not Jesus. No J, no Jesus. There's no way back then being of a Hebrew tongue that they can say, they can't even say Jesus. There's no J in the Hebrew, Greek or Latin language as we say in the moderation. There's no J so they can't say Jesus. So it has to be another name other than Jesus. When the angel of Yahweh came to Mary or to Joseph, name your son, Yahshua. And then there's colons, which means that whatever follows is going to be an explanation of what was previously talked about. So name his, name his son, Yashua. And now here is the purpose, for he shall save his people from their sins. And that's what Yahshua's purpose was when he came in into the Yahweh's purpose when he came into the flesh as Yahshua. You know, Yahweh didn't go off somewhere and you know do something else you know we know that if we understand the unity of the of the godhead that that is yahweh in a body we say Yahshua's name means yahweh is salvation see it's <laughs> yahweh didn't go anywhere he's right there cuz he is manifesting salvation right within that physical body and that doesn't happen until Yahshua's um, works that he had to do was to fulfill the law and the prophets. And then he says, it's finished. When it's finished, then that purpose is finished. Now he has, now the purpose of salvation is going to manifest, see, with him dying, you gotta have that death, burial and resurrection And then that's, uh, I mean, I'm throwing all this stuff out and everything just seems to have to be broken down in simplicity. Um, But as far as this um, scripture reading is concerned, you know, we're talking about after Yahshua's death, burial, and resurrection. So I want to like... Lay a foundation, trying to, anyways, um, to show you uh, what happened right up until this point, and then somebody can take it from there. So <clears throat> let's get some uh, witnesses that Yashua came in to fulfill, which is um, one of them is Matthew three seventeen or three thirteen. Uh, we can get um, John. I don't know if I'm quoting the, the uh, scriptures right, but scripture readers, you know where I'm going. Okay,
2: uh, Matthew 3.13. Then mm-hmm. cometh Yahshua from Galilee to Jordan for, unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying... I have need to be baptized
1: of thee, and comest thou to me? No. Other- I think a couple w- I'm sorry, Gary. I, I sorry to interrupt you, but I, I want to make a point. Um, a couple of weeks ago I worked with this baptism, but see, you've got to understand, you know, the the religious world out there thinks that Yahshua was baptized because he was setting up or instituting a Christian way of life. Now that is just downright wrong. First of all, think about it. If John is baptizing because we call him John the Baptist, there it is right there on the chart, then then why is Yahshua instituting it when John's already doing it? I mean, it's just so simple, so... Simple that you know, we never thought of these things because it has to be revealed and it's revealed in simplicity. See, so John is already baptizing and Yashua and John recognizes Yashua and he says that uh Yashua's coming to him and to be baptized. And John's going, wait a minute, because he knows that. Previously, he already said that I baptize with water, but one that comes after me is mightier than I will we baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So he already knows and recognizes Yeshua of, of who he is because he got a revelation. That's the only way you're going to see that Holy Spirit is if it's revealed to you. And he has that revelation of there is, there there he, here he comes, the one I was talking about. And Yahshua says to baptize me. He goes, well, I, I need to be baptized of you. I want that baptism that you're supposed to be coming to give. So why are you asking me to baptize you? So what is Yahshua's, what's Yahshua's response to what John was saying to him? If you can continue reading, please. Matthew 3.15.
2: And Yahshua answering said unto him, suffer it to be so now for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness.
1: So let's just, let's just do this, John, you know, just bear with me, suffer it to be so now for cometh us to fulfill all righteousness. He's coming to fulfill. He didn't say, Oh, suffered to be so now, uh, John, because I have to institute this Christian way of life. He did not say that. That is not possible for him to do that. First of all, Christianity didn't come in until the year, what, 400? You know, and we're talking, what, 33? The year 33? 30, you know, 30, whatever it is, starting this ministry at 30, just like the priest and the Oh, there's just so much, everything you say, you want to like. <laughs> so he's saying, I'm not coming to institute a Christian way of life. I'm coming to fulfill, see, I am fulfilling that old way of worship. I'm no longer requiring you to be baptized with water for salvation, See, when John was baptizing, they were being saved from their sins because they had to repent and then John baptized them and then they came up out of the water and they were saved. But now Yahshua's is saying, I come to, um, to fulfill that physical way of worship. It's no longer going to be that way because once I fulfill it, and bring it to an end, that's the end of it. So let's get another quote where um, Yahshua was fulfilling. Matthew
3: 5, 17, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill.
1: Now, listen to this. This is very important because Yahshua was saying, I am not come to destroy, the law and the prophets. Now we go to the law and the prophets to pick up where uh, like baptism is instituted, see? And we go to the law and where uh, suppers are instituted. Um, And, you know, he's coming to fulfill it, to bring it to an end, but he's saying, I'm not destroying the law and the prophets. Why? Because the law and the prophets are his witnesses. And that's where you go and see that, you know, he instituted it there, he's coming to fulfill here. So law, prophets, he didn't destroy them because those are his witnesses that he is who he says that he is. So the law and the prophets are not destroyed, but fulfilled. So everything that's written about him in the law and in the prophets, he's come to fulfill all of that, which means bring it to an end. If I can have the carnal ordinance chart, maybe that'll um, give you a better idea of where I'm coming from because I'll, I'll wait till he gets it. Okay. So here we are. What I'm talking about is that Old Testament is fulfilled. That's the law and the prophets is the Old Testament. It's from Genesis to Malachi is the law. And from Joshua, I'm sorry, from Genesis to Deuteronomy. Is that right? Leviticus. What are the five books of the law? There's Exodus. Genesis Exodus Leviticus Deuteronomy no <laughs> no num- number, yeah numbers number okay so there's five books of the law and then Joshua to Malachi is the prophets so right. here he is fulfilling the law and the prophets so the old testament see and it's being fulfilled he didn't destroy the law and the prophets He came to fulfill the law and the prophets. So here you have on this chart, you have all of these carnal ordinances that was established or instituted in the law. So you could see where, you know, I just already talked about baptism, you know, and suppers and ceremonies and circumcision, sacrifices, all Ten Commandments is all set up in the law. So he didn't come to destroy that. He came to fulfill that. Uh, and somebody got a dictionary with the uh, definition of fulfill that I want. I If you can get that, um, because you need to understand, you know, I I thought I knew what fulfill meant. Because when they gave me an example of <clears throat> having a car payment and you fulfilled you made that last payment. And isn't that a good feeling to make that last payment? You have no more monthly car payments. It's just, and then then, then your car is wrecked and it's I can relate. But anyways, you you have that last car payment. All right. So the next month that came comes around, I, I just paid off my car. And this was the first month in three years that I didn't have to make that payment. And what a joy that was (laughs) that you don't have to make that, but you're not going to make it again. It's fulfilled. You fulfilled your obligations to the bank to pay that loan. So I am not going to send them another $400 this month because it's not owed. So when something is fulfilled, that means that you don't no longer have to, you know, deal with it. But there is another uh, definition of fulfill that I really like, and I hope that you know where I'm after. Deb, do you have it or Gary?
3: I, I have it on my phone. Uh, I'm not seeing exactly where I think you're going, but it says bring to completion or reality. Achieve Okay, realize.
1: That's... Yep, that bring it to okay. reality. That's okay. where I'm after, Deb. Because okay, that's good. exactly, that's why he's not destroying it. Because once he fulfills, um, let's say, baptism, then he's bringing it to reality because there is a spiritual baptism or the reality of that physical way of worship. That's where I'm after. See, when he fulfills... He's not destroying that. He's bringing it to reality, but he's also ending that physical way of worship. And, you know, the religions out there are just based on a physical way of worship. No matter what you do, you know, it's a physical way. Either It's with your hands, you're praying or you're kneeling or you're, you know, getting in your pockets and getting your money out. It's all physical, but now in the new covenant, see, it's not, it's not that way anymore. Um, but we're, 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 I'm trying to stay with Yashua's purpose and why he came in and died on that cross and it says there that his purpose is that he shall save his people from their sins. See, once Joshua, let's go to where John, where he says it is finished, please. Unless you have something else about fulfilling. I know there's more. There's a couple oh, of more. I'll give you Luke 24. Uh, Luke
2: 24 Yes, 44 oh, yes. and
1: 45.
2: Um, yes, thank you. 2444. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the <clears throat> Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures.
1: See, the scriptures is the Old Testament or the, mm-hmm. the Old Covenant. See, um, I was looking for that. Okay, well, hang on a minute. Just give me one minute. Okay. Okay, can you start that again, Gary, please? And I will interrupt you. Luke 24,
2: 44. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you. While I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written. So the-
1: Yahshua is reminding them that these I've already told you this stuff. These are the words that I spoke unto you while I was wet, yet with you. See, this is after his. This is in his resurrection, I believe, when he comes back um, right. after his death. Right. Is what I'm trying to say. And he's saying to them, look it, I already told you guys this uh, you know, over and over again, these are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things, all things must be fulfilled, which were under the law of Moses, which is what I'm telling you the five books and in the prophets, which are the other 34 books, Joshua to Malachi, See, all things in the law and the prophets or the books of Moses and in the prophets. Pick that up again, please. These are the
2: words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in
1: the Psalms concerning me concerning me. Now that is very important to understand, you know, concerning Yahshua, that's what was written in the law and in the prophets are things that are concerning him. And if you don't see it, if you don't see all those principles in the law and the prophets concerning him or pointing out to him, That's what he's trying to get you to see. That's what he was trying to get them to see. While I was yet with you, I told you these things. And that I came in to fulfill all that was written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Is there more there, Gary? Um,
2: Just next verse.
1: 45. 45.
2: Then opened he their understanding
1: that they might
2: understand the scriptures.
1: Oh, so wow, oh, they got a revelation. You see, they didn't get the total reality of it because they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. But he did give them some understanding of the scriptures. So once they understood that, you know, they're getting to the point where, hmm, but I think I know what's going on here. You see, Um, I want um, you search the scriptures, that's my that's one thing I've been just so much thinking about lately.
3: 1539. Yes. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me.
1: Now this is Joshua speaking, right, there. Yes. So he's saying, search the scriptures, and he's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. Now he's not telling them to search the scriptures because they've already been doing it. That's all they do day and night is search the scriptures. Is that right? right. They wear it on on themselves. They have the law all over them and they just, they constantly are, are in the scriptures, which is the law and the prophets. It's the old Testament. And that's why to this day, the, the the Jewish nation they do not have the New Testament. They are still searching the Scriptures, the Law and the Prophets. They don't have their Bible. Is not like ours. They don't believe in Yahshua's, you know, uh, new covenant or that he came in to give salvation. They're still waiting for the Messiah. See, they don't, they're still searching the scriptures. So my thought is today, are we searching the scriptures? Are we searching the textbooks? Are we searching the transcripts? Are we searching? Yeah, we are. And that's good. But you search the scriptures. In them, you think you have eternal life. They thought that because they were doing that, because they were uh, performing all of the stuff in the law, which is in the scriptures, see, they think you have, you think you have eternal life and all of that knowledge. Now I'm not down, you know, knowledge at all. You need the knowledge, but he said, you search the scriptures for in them, you think you have eternal life. But they what? The scriptures, that they are testifying of me. So just like he said concerning me, see, if you don't show Yahshua in those, in that knowledge of searching all of those scriptures, if you don't see me there, then what good are they? See? You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. You need to show Yahshua. That's why he came in. That was his purpose for coming in the flesh, is to to show salvation, give you salvation. And And the law and the prophets are his witnesses. He, he didn't destroy them he came in to fulfill them um, okay so now I want um, it is finished
3: that's John the 19th chapter and uh, do you just want that verse or he says
1: well no you can pick it up okay
3: so we're going to pick up at 28 after this Joshua knowing that all things were now accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled. He there said, mm-hmm. I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon his and put it to his mouth. When Yahshua therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost.
1: So even as he's on the cross, Dying, see, shedding his blood for you, he's still fulfilling because that vinegar is a fulfillment of how that they had to have bitter herbs back with Moses in the law at the Passover. You see, and he's still he's fulfilling right up until his dying breath. Because that was his purpose. And in the scripture reading, you know, this is uh this is right after his death. And if we can pick up, I'll end with John 1. I'll see, we'll have to pick it up a little bit. Where did we start? We started at 35. Yes. Uh yeah. I, I, no I wanna uh, 41 we'll pick it up at 41
2: John 1 41 mm-hmm. he first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him we have found the Messiah which is being interpreted uh, the messiah anointed <laughs> yeah Okay. And he brought him to Joshua, and when Yahshua beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is, is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Joshua would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathaniel and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write.
1: Okay, Joshua, you know what? Let me correct. I'm sorry. Let me correct myself. This is not after his death. This is when he's uh, starting his ministry. Right. And uh, so he's going around and he's picking his disciples, right? And he's saying, he finds Simon. We found the Messiah. And 42, he says, You brought him to Yahshua. And when Joshua beheld him, Simon's trying okay. So he's saying, Philip findeth Nathaniel. So they're going around telling everybody what is, what is mm-hmm. Philip telling Nathaniel? Said unto him, We have found him. We found mm-hmm. him. We right. searched the scriptures and now we found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did right. Yahshua, the son of Joseph. And <sighs> keep going.
2: We found him of Moses and in the law and in the prophets did right. Yahshua, right. Yahshua, the son of Joseph.
1: Right. So here it is. Uh <sighs> Yahshua is starting his ministry. See, he's was written about in the law and in the prophets. So, and they know that because they were, you know, searching them. And now they recognize that Yahshua has come in to uh, start his ministry, which means that he's starting to to fulfill that old covenant um, gathering, His disciples, see, went through three and a half years of his ministry. um, His purpose came to, his physical purpose came to an end when he says, It is finished. He, on the cross, that means that his purpose of fulfilling the law and the prophets are finished, and that there is a new and spiritual way of worship now, which I will end with John four twenty three and 4.
3: John 4 and 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the mm-hmm. Father seeketh such to worship him. Yahweh is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in
1: truth. See, that's the true worshiping now under this covenant is that you worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's what we do down here in this school. You know, we, it's just a special place to be. And, um, I hope that it wasn't too tedious and, you know, I just feel that, uh, always a good thing to have a good uh, foundation, um, to understand, you know, the purpose of Yahweh, which is Yahshua coming in to save our souls, which is our main purpose down here. So with that, um, I will send it back to Dr. Triveson to, um, announce the next speaker.
0: Yep, you're good. Thank you, Dr. Welch. It is at this time my pleasure to introduce to you from the North Side Chicago branch, Dr. May Cohen.
4: Good evening, class. Can you hear me? Yes. I'm so happy. And glad that I'm able to visit with you today, because usually I'm at work when you guys start. But I got off early today, you know, because usually in my job the day before holiday, they let us leave early, even though I am working from home. <laughs> but I was able to get off early, so I was able to come on time. And I, I'm glad to be here. I'm really glad to be here and visit with my brethren here in uh, the Syracuse class and I, I really um, enjoyed the remarks of the first speaker. Um, I like to um, get um, give me uh, Isaiah eight and twenty, and also get a uh, whole get Isaiah eight and twenty, and get John one and one, and first John five and seven. So we'll stop there and see where we go, because you know the uh, previous speaker left off. You know, talking about, you know, Yahshua fulfilling everything that was written in the law and the testimony. So, you know, just as she said, we have people listening, you know, on YouTube. We don't know who's listening. So let's get Isaiah 8 and 20 to find out what the law and the prophets are. So let's start with
2: that. Isaiah 8 and 20. Mm -hmm. To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them.
4: So so it says to the law, and we know that uh, the law is the first five books of the Bible. And if you have like a good uh, study Bible, Schofield Bible, good study Bible, you'll find out that those first five books were authored, uh, have Moses down as the author. Uh, So it says to the law, which is the first five books of the Bible and to the testimony or the prophecy, which is the next 34 books of the Bible. That's 39 books in all, what we commonly call the Old Testament. That's what it's talking about here when it says to the law and to the testimony. And then it says, if they speak not according to this word, it didn't say these words. It said, if they speak not according to this word, singular. See, and there is definitions in the Bible, so many definitions in the Bible. We ready to read what the word is in John 1 and 1. But it says, if they speak not according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. Now, we come in this class, you know, this school was founded upon a divine panoramic vision and revelation, which was given to our founder, Dr. Uh, Henry Clifford-Kinley, now it says, uh, I think it's in, I'm not sure, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is a school. I think it's in Proverbs where it says, "Where well, there's no prophetic vision, the people perish. So now our, our founder of this school had a vision, a panoramic vision, divine panoramic vision and revelation straight from Yahweh himself. He was He, he was shown something Then he was given a revelation. He was given an understanding of what he was shown, you know. And then he went on to say, make me prove it until you are satisfied, you know. So these these things that are being expressed are witnessing to the purpose and plan of Yahweh. He proves his own existence. It's not like uh, the founder of the school or any of us figured this thing out. We're not that smart. It's Yahweh himself through Yahshua the Messiah that is revealing these things to us through this divine vision of revelation. So let's get John 1 and 1 because we read in Isaiah 8 and 20 to the law and the testimony. If it's speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. So now we're going to read in John 1 and 1 the definition of what the word is. So go on and read.
3: John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with Yahweh, and the word was Yahweh.
4: Okay, now, it says, in the beginning was the word, here again, it's uh, complementing what was said in Isaiah 8 and 20, if they speak not according to this word, not these word, these words. So we're reading in John 1 and 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, singular. See, because we used to think that, you know, when we would read something like that, we're thinking it's talking about where are we going to talk about God today and read his word. It's not talking about that book, the Bible. It's talking about the creator himself. So it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with Yahweh, and the word was Yahweh continue to read.
3: The same was in the beginning with Yahweh. Mm -hmm. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made.
4: We come into school and we learn about our creator. We we learn how he's operating. We learn that he has a purpose, a pattern, a plan. We learn his makeup. We learn what he's doing. We, We find out what when uh, the, the Messiah came out on the airplane? What his mission was? You know, these things are not known. They're not commonly known in the uh, religious world. You know, I came up in the uh, Baptist church, and I the, the things I'm learning and have learned in this school, I never learned any of those things. You know, uh, in the church. You know, and it says the word was with Yahweh. The was Yahweh. It says all things were made by him. Now, when you look at that, when it says all things were made by him, we're talking about not just the physical realm, but the angelic realm as well. The angelic realm and the physical realm, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything, anything made that was made. Continue to read.
3: In him was life and the life was the light of
4: men. Now, it says that in him was life. And it doesn't it say, Yahshua said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it says, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. It's over there in Acts, it talks about in him, we live, we move, and we have our being. See, we, we didn't know that our creator had a purpose, a pattern, plan. We didn't understand that You know, he, you know, he uh, sent his son at the appointed time to come in and be deliverance or salvation for mankind. But the thing that is really the greatest mystery is that it was the creator himself. If somebody can get, I know I got uh, one more script. I think I got held. But if somebody get, I think it's in, um, is it 1 Timothy um, 3.16? I'm not sure where it talks about, um, uh, Yahweh is manifested in the flesh, scene of angels. You all know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm, I, I yes, can't. That's good. That's good. Is that right? Was that the right scripture? Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. Great. I'm getting better. I asked Joshua to help me get better with you know these scriptures and stuff. You know, but uh, continue to read there in John.
3: Okay. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Mm -hmm. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness overcame it not.
4: So it says that 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 light is shining in darkness, but the darkness don't comprehend it, you know. And all mankind... You know, when Yahshua Messiah was on the earth plane in the second age, we got three ages in the realm of time. In the second age, when he, he came in, all mankind was in that darkness. It was dark. He was the only light on the earth plane. But then, after his death, burial, and resurrection, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that ushered in the age that we're in now, now, you know, he, he removed that veil. the flesh see now we can have light see now he's dwelling in the heart and mind of mankind but um go ahead and drop down to um 14. verse 14 and the
3: word was made flesh and dwelt among
4: us now now check that out y'all now it says in the beginning was the word the Word was with yahweh and that word was yahweh now it goes on to say that same word that was with Yahweh and was Yahweh, that word was made flesh. See, Yahshua means Yahweh is salvation. He has a purpose. He is a pattern. We know it says that he's the archetype or the original or blueprint, the pattern of the universe, of the whole universe, both the angelic and the physical creation. You know, he's a pattern. I know I didn't know that. You know, before coming in this school that I created was a pattern and everything that he's doing is going according to a pattern. You see what I'm saying? Even the way that um, our life is and how we navigate in the earth plane, everything, because it tells us, we say it every every time And the, um, what's that that we do uh, in the beginning? The um,
3: moderation. Yeah,
4: thank you. <laughs> in the moderation, we say it every time that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern so it says in him was light and that life was the light of men. And then it goes on to say, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Go ahead and continue. read.
3: And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth.
4: The only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now let's get over there in First uh, Timothy three sixteen. I know I also have First John five and seven held, but let's read First uh, Timothy first. First Timothy
2: three sixteen, mm-hmm. and without controversy, great
4: is the mystery of godliness. Okay, now this is a deep mystery, and there ain't no debate or no controversy about it. Ain't no debate about it. See. He says, great is the mystery of, what's say holiness? It says God okay,
2: in the King James.
4: i reading <laughs> uh, read in the King James Version. Yes,
2: that's what it says. Okay. Um, And
4: Yahweh was manifest in the flesh. Okay, just now in- you hear that now. The creator mm-hmm. of heaven and earth, the one that we say is inscrutable and incomprehensible, See, the one that broke himself down in part and shape and form to create an angelic and physical creation. This is the one we're talking about. That same one was manifested in the flesh. See, that's what we have to understand. You know, and I I say it so much, but I'll never get over it. I can never get over it. You know, he didn't send he didn't send Michael to do it. He didn't send Gabriel to do it. You know, we know according to Dr. Kenley's vision, you know, when Satan was kicked out of heaven, Michael, he had Michael do that job. But for the uh, salvation and deliverance of mankind, he did not send Michael to do it. He did not send Gabriel to do it. He himself came in a likeness to sinful flesh to be deliverance for mankind. Man, I'm telling you, if that is not love, because we're creatures. You know, and it said the creature was made subject to vanity We're creatures, but he loved us so much that he himself came in the likeness of sinful flesh and died the death of an outcast dog, allowed the creatures that he created to do these things so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. So we can once more have that connection, that oneness with our creator through the sun. I'm telling you, man, it's really beautiful. But continue to read there in uh, Timothy. Justified in the spirit. Mm-hmm. S- scene of angels. He was justified in the spirit because everything that he did, he came in and he was obedient unto death. He was an obedient son. You know, he fulfilled everything. Just like the first speaker was talking about. He fulfilled everything, jot and tittle and all oh, while he was walking on the earth plane, he didn't even take no credit for it. He was constantly giving the credit to his father. He said, I myself can do nothing. It's the father in me. He doeth the work. You know, he was giving the credit and the honor and the praise to his father. He wasn't even taking the credit. Okay? Oh, come on now. Go ahead and continue to read. Scene of angels. Mm-hmm. Preached unto the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Seven years later, you, you know, the first, uh, when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was poured out, seven years later, the Gentiles was bracketed in. See, they didn't have to go through all the things that the Jews had to go through, you know, trying to uh, keep those 613 uh, some laws and ordinance. Who knew? You know, I, I only knew about the Big Ten, you know, in church. I mean, they don't talk about nothing but the Big Ten. You know, that's what I call them the Big Ten, the Ten Commandment Law. You know, but then we come up in here, we find out not only. Was there 10 commands? It was 613 some laws and ordinances, and it was impossible for mankind to keep them. That's why Yashua Messiah, when he came in, remember it says, and I can't remember where it is, but somewhere it says that everything that he did was written in a book that the whole world couldn't contain the books because he was really coming in, he was fulfilling everything that was written. Jot and tittle, see. See, mankind couldn't do it. So he sent his son, he himself, in the sonship degree, came at the appointed time to fulfill everything that was written in the law and the prophets. Continue to read.
2: Believed on in the world mm-hmm. and received up into glory.
4: Received up into glory. Because remember, he was talking about, Father, give me the glory that I had with you from before the world was. You know, so now he's received up re- received up in the glory, sitting on the right hand of the Father. You know, now in the age that we in, the present kingdom age, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is still occurring, it's a free gift. It's a free gift to mankind. We don't have to do, we don't have to do the work. See, they 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 still under that law in the world. They're still saying you got to do works. You got to work up on your salvation. You got to go on and get baptized. You know, you got to eat what they call the Lord's Supper. You got to do all these sacrifices and these different ordinances and stuff like that. But Yash Messiah, he came in, and he fulfilled all that. So we don't have to do that anymore. Somebody get um, Hebrews, I think it's nine and nine. And give me a little train of thought with it. I know I still got that other scripture help, but get that first. Hebrews
3: nine and eight. The Holy Spirit thus signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was yet standing, Mm -hmm. which was a figure of the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him.
4: I'm sorry. Go ahead, continue.
3: That could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience.
4: They did all of those sacrifices and those ordinances, you see what I'm saying, and in church every first Sunday, they take the Holy Communion, you know, to get baptized, I got baptized, you know, and I was disappointed, I, I can't remember what class I was listening to uh, early this week, and they were talking about that, uh, they, that many people in this class talk about, you know, those that have been baptized, they expected something miraculous to happen when they came up out of the water. I know I did. I expected I expected a real deep connection with God when I came out of that water. And the only thing that happened is I was wet and I was disappointed. You know, my mother had done my hair all pretty and everything. I was just all beautiful. And then everything got messed up once I got dunked in that water. And I expected to come up and, you know, receive, like they say, the gift of the Holy Spirit, receive something special, but nothing. See, it it, it wasn't, it's not physical. See, it's not physical. That's why Yahshua Messiah came in. See, the sacrifices, you know, they're spiritual. Now, now that, that baptism is the baptism of living water. See, through the preaching of the gospel, you see what I'm saying? The circumcision is of the heart and the mind. You See what I'm saying? You know, that flesh has to be cut away, that foreskin has to be cut away. You see, I mean, it's it's just it's just uh a beautiful thing, you know. See, they, they they did they did all those things, but the consciousness, it didn't do anything for their consciousness. That's why Yahshua Messiah had to come in and fulfill everything that was written in the law and the testimony, because without him doing it, see it says nailed to the cross, and just like the previous talking about. Previous speaker talking about it is finished. I know. I used to think, you know, because they talked about that in church. I used to think when it says it is finished, okay, well, yeah, he dead. You know, I guess he's talking about his life is over. No, that's not what he's talking about. It's in, um, I think it's John the tenth chapter. Somebody can find it. Uh, it says, No man laid down my life. Uh, I think it's in John the 10th chapter, you know. But when he said it is finished, he was talking about all that the Father had given him to do, everything that he came in to do in regards to fulfilling what was written in the law and the testimony so that mankind could be rescued from death, hell, and the grave. Okay, his soul could be resurrected, see. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with flesh and blood. There's a scripture that says flesh and blood cannot or will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's the soul of a man. See, and we had, you know, we, I know for me, I had no clue about these things before I came up in this school. You know, but as I said in the beginning, you know, uh, when I first started that this, this uh, divine, Panoramic vision of Revelation was given to Doctor Henry Clay Kinley came straight from the Creator of heaven and earth came straight from the Creator Himself. Could no man put this together? I, it's too smooth. It fits together like a hand in a glove. There's no way that a man could put this thing together. Ain't nobody this smart, okay? Um, what did I ask for? Oh, and John. And then um, after that, read First John five and seven because I know I got that help too. John 10 and
2: 17. Okay. Therefore, doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I mm-hmm. might take it again. He
4: said he laid down his life that he could take it again. Go ahead. No man take it, it from me, but That's I it lay have it, have it down of myself. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To, um, okay. Okay in, but see, they think they was doing something. Say, oh, we got, we got that, we got that food now. See, we are gonna put them on the cross. We gonna end all this. See, because see, when he was uh, doing his ministry in that three and a half year ministry, see, you know, they, they, you know, people was starting to follow him and believe him. Like, well, let let's see what he gonna say. Especially old babies. Especially when he fed them with the uh with the uh fish and the loaves of bread. It's like a lot of folks like, well, you know, we follow who you might get something to eat. You know, so let's come on. Let's see what you're going to do next. But then as they was following him, you know, they started uh, believing and seeing the miracles he was doing and stuff like that. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they was used to everybody looking at them and looking up to them. So Yahshua was taking their shine. So they said, oh, no, uh-uh, uh-uh. And then after the thing happened with Lazarus, they said, oh, no, uh-uh. We're going to have to find a way to get rid of this dude. So you see, so they thought that when they put him on that cross, that that would be the end of it. See, they thought they was killing Yashua, But he's sitting right here that he laid his life down. He has the power to pick it up again. Start that whole thing over again.
2: Therefore does my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. Mm-hmm. No man taketh it from me, but I lay see, it down of myself.
4: See, it I, looked like Samir put him on the cross, and, but he said no man take it from me. mm mm-hmm. I have power to lay it down,
2: and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received from my father.
4: He said, now I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to pick it up again. When he was to in Gethsemane, he was praying, he was saying, you know, uh, take this bitter cup from me. But then he went on to say, but not my will, that will be done. See, it's, I mean, man, it's just, oh man, it's just so pretty. It's just so pretty. Okay, First uh, John 5 and 7.
3: First John 5 and 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one.
4: Now, we never knew. I know I didn't know that there's a record in heaven, and it says the Father... The word and the Holy Spirit, these three are one. You know, in the world, they preach God in three persons, blessed Trinity. You know, and we just read over there in John 101 about the word was with y'all when the word was y'all when that same word, singular, that same word was made flesh. So now this is complementing that where it says that there are three to bear record in heaven, the father. The Word and the Holy Spirit. We come up here, we find out the Father, Yahweh, the Word, Yahweh, Elohim, the Holy Spirit, Yahshua, Messiah. These three are one. That record in heaven. These three are one. It's a threefold unity. Okay? Continue to read there.
3: And there are three that bear
4: witness in earth. The Spirit... Yeah, record. I'm sorry. That record in heaven has a witness in the earth. There is a witness in the earth. So mankind has no excuse. We are without an excuse because there's a witness in the earth of that record that is in heaven. Continue to read the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. Okay. So that record in heaven has a witness in the earth. And it says the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. So when we look at that, We can see our uh, uh, get uh, First Corinthians, uh, the first chapter. Uh, No, I'm sorry. First Corinthians 15, the first chapter. But we see here where it says the, uh, the spirit, the water and the blood. See, that's pointing up to that blood, water, spirit principle. That's the witness in the earth or that death burial and resurrection see and we can see it coming all the way down you know because we read in Hebrews I think it's Hebrews eight and five where it talks about the schoolmaster see this is a schoolmaster All of these Bible stories of everything that was written in the law and the testimony according to the word. See, these are our schoolmaster. And it's leading us up. It's leading us up to something. It's leading us up to Yahshua the Messiah. We never knew that this whole thing was about him. Then he even says it himself. I think it's in Psalms and maybe in Revelation where he talks about, lo, I come in the volume of of the book. It is written of me. So when he says that, no, I come in the volume of the book, he's talking about the law and the testimony, the law of the prophets, or the first 39 books of the Bible. He said, it is written of me. And uh, did we have read today that he opened their understanding? See, he's got to do that for us. You can read that Bible until you're blue in the face, okay? You can be studious. And read it each and every day. But if he does not open your understanding, you'll never, ever see it. He's got to be the one to do that. Okay? All right.
0: Okay.
4: Continue. In First John. Yeah, continue there.
3: For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. There mm-hmm. are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. Mm -hmm. If we receive the witness of man, the witness of Yahweh is greater.
4: For this is the witness. It says that if we receive the witness of men, we do that, we do that all the time. We go to the store we buy food. We expect that they ain't poison the food. We get on a plane, you know, and we fly to our destination. We expect that plane going to get us to our destination. You see what I'm saying? We receive those witnesses all the time. But it says the witness of Yahweh is greater. The witness of Yahweh is greater because that is unto eternal life. See, uh get um uh, I know I, I asked for 1 uh, Corinthians 15 but before you get that get uh John 17 and start at 1. Okay, were you done there in um in 1 yeah. Corinthians? Okay, I mean in 1 John. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you know it's like 5
0: minutes Dr. Cohen.
4: Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Good.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs>
4: Okay, go ahead and uh, read uh, John seventeen,
2: start at one, and then I'll
4: John, end with uh, first John 13. seventeen
2: and one. Okay. Um, these words spake Yahshua and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, "Father, the hour is come. Glorify mm. Thy Son, that the Son Thy
4: Son also may glorify Thee." Now, remember, he has a purpose, a pattern, and a plan. Now, if you read that, you would think, okay, well, you know, this is God's little boy, and he's praying to his father. But he has, it's an operation. You see what I'm saying? It's an operation. These three are one. See, he's in a sonship degree. You see, and it's an operation, but continue to read. As thou has given
2: him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou has given him.
4: See, now he said he's <clears throat> eternal life as many as the father Yahweh has given him. So now we can reread another definition. We can reread what eternal life is. Continue to read.
2: And this is life eternal.
0: Mm-hmm. That,
2: they may, that they might know thee, the only true Elohim, and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou has sent.
4: Now, he says that this is eternal life or this is life eternal to know. See, not to speculate or guess. And the only way you can know is that the Holy Spirit has to take a rest in your heart and mind. You can't know this unless it's revealed. And he said to know Thee, Yahweh, the only true Elohim. And Yahshua, Messiah, and God has sent. See, there we go again with that threefold unity. These three are one, but it's an operation. Just like we looked at our tabernacle pattern, there's different things going on in each compartment, but it's one operation. It's just a beautiful thing when he shows it to you and he opens up your understanding so you can see it. Okay, all right. Um, uh, First Corinthians 15, and then I'll, I'll be done.
3: Corinthians 15 1 Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which
4: also you are
3: saved. Now, look,
4: he said he's declaring the gospel, He preaching it unto you, you're standing in it, you know, you're receiving it, and you're saved in it. And that's the same way we went about it, okay? It's a process. But you're saved in this gospel. Continue to read. By
3: which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed
4: in vain. One is bringing all things back to our remembrance. He's even got to do that for you. Continue to read.
3: For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received Paul, mm-hmm. that Yahshua died for our sins according to the scriptures. Mm-hmm that he was buried, and that he
4: rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. They all complement one another. We read what the scriptures was, the first 39 books of the Bible. And see, we read over there, First John 5 and 7, the record in heaven that bears a witness on the earth. Now we're reading here, it's the same thing. He said how that he died for our sins according to the scriptures and how he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. We got our blood, water, sp- uh, spirit principle, or that death, burial, resurrection. I'm telling you, y'all, y'all know it. It's a beautiful thing. And I'm just so thankful you know, that that he opened my understanding to let me see these things, you know. And um, I'm so glad that I'm able to visit with you today. I'm just tickled pink, and my brethren is Syracuse. I love y'all. Mm-hmm. All I'm your sure, prayers, God I say, you sign. Thank you for your time.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. May Cohen. Uh, refer to Dr. Patrick Triverson to call on the next speaker.
0: Thank you Dr. Cohen, Uh, at this time it's my pleasure to call on the Dean of the Oceanside, California branch, Dr. Dennis Ope.
5: Good evening everyone. Uh, I want to say that I really enjoyed the lectures and testimonies of both Sharon and May. They just did a wonderful job uh, breaking down The simplicity of this gospel. Now, some things came to my mind uh, when we were reading the scriptures tonight that I'd like to hit into or, you know, just lay a little bit of groundwork for. Now, I want to go back for a minute to the scripture reading, and uh, I'm going to pick it up right right from where uh, May left off there and talk about the unity of the Godhead, uh, since that was something she laid that groundwork for. And how blood, water, spirit is a uh, example of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, uh, go back over to John the first chapter, and I want you to go specifically to John one twenty nine. John one
2: twenty nine. The next day, John seeth Yahshua coming unto him, and saith. Behold the Lamb of Yahweh, which taketh away the sin of the world.
5: Now, John identified Yahshua as the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world. And John, as you know, was born with the Holy Spirit. And his job was to point out or to testify uh, to the uh, uh, followers and people that were with him that the Messiah now has arrived. In other words, the one that the scriptures have been telling us about. Now, tonight we read about how that uh, the disciples were being called by Yahshua, and they said, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did speak. Now, one correction to that point. You don't find Yahshua, Yahshua <laughs> finds you. <laughs> but, of course, they were still as we understand, back then, yet carnal. And they were following John. John was preaching to them before he even knew who the Messiah was, that his job was to point out the one that would be the Savior of the world. And, uh, and John himself said in his testimony, I knew him not, except he that sent me said, the one that you see the Spirit descend upon, that's the one. And so when they said they found him of whom Moses and the prophets did write now Peter James John these apostles were not Pharisees they were not learned men they weren't up there in the temple reading the scrolls every day so where did they have a if you will a sense of direction in the Law and the Prophets to be able to say that this is the one whom the Law and the Prophets was speaking of. Now we know that John, who was a Levite, the job of the Levites back there under the law was to teach the people the law. They were commanded to do that. And so John the Baptist was actually instructing them somewhat out of the scriptures uh, as far his, his understanding was allowed to go by the Holy Spirit in preparation for him pointing out who the Messiah would be. Now, I'm saying that because of this reason. We often think of in this scripture, in John 129 when it says, Behold the Lamb of Yahweh, or God, that taketh away the sins of the world. That we go back to uh, Exodus there, and we go to the Passover, to show how you have a lamb back there. Now, let's not forget something. That what we're doing when we go back to Exodus and we point out the lamb, we are taking a manifestation which is a witness to a principle. All manifestations simply are a demonstration of an invisible principle. And uh, uh, it, it was discussed tonight about worshiping in spirit and in truth. Now, we had to be taken past the manifestation by Yahshua the Messiah on the day of Pentecost to start to open up to us the principle or reality, as Sharon was talking about, of what these manifestations were talking about. And Sharon talked about water baptism, how that there was physical water baptism, but now there's a spiritual water baptism, well, there was a physical lamb back there offered in Egypt. Now, just in case somebody might not have heard this, I'm going to give them a, a quick, quick, uh, give me the Moses chart, please, if you wouldn't mind, Greg. Now, when they were down in the land of Egypt, uh, well, uh, let me say this and then I'll, I'll get right to this point. Dr. Kinley often talked about how that Exodus, the book of Exodus, And what happened in the book of Exodus is where they learned of what happened in Genesis, and that the Exodus was set before the Genesis. Now, chronologically, we know the Genesis was before the book of Exodus. But as far as Yahweh's purpose and the opening up of what happened in the Genesis, that occurred within the book of Exodus to Moses on top of Mount Sinai. Now, Moses witnessed to Yahweh Elohim creating the physical creation. Now, down there in the land of Egypt, when the lamb was offered, and the people had to eat that lamb and and that blood and, and that and and the partaking of the flesh of that lamb was their salvation back there from the death, uh, the death angel that was passing over their households. Now, all of that, in a sense, in principle, took place down in Egypt before Moses saw the vision on top of Mount Sinai, of the Genesis. So what Yahweh is setting up here is that that manifestation of the Lamb had to be offered before Moses was shown the foundation of the world, which means the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. And it's set up by the chronological operation and opening up of how the purpose develops. And Yahweh is showing that that lamb must be slain first. Now, that's a witness that the lamb was slain before the fo- from the foundations of the world. Let's go over for a minute and get Revelations 13 and 8, if you don't mind.
3: Revelation 13a. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world.
5: Now that scripture is talking about the people whose names are not written and are going to worship the beast or the devil. And I'm not getting into that tonight. But my point is that it mentions the Lamb slain from the foundations of the world. Now, what I want you to know is this, that Yahweh set up his purpose where the, the death or the crucifixion took place before the earth was even created. And what Dr. Kinley explained was that Yahweh, when he took on that shape and form, when he stepped down, is the way he used to say it, from that high and lofty state of pure spirit, that was a crucifixion. And that lamb was set right then and there when Yahweh took on that shape and form that we call Elohim. And so Dr. Kinley was correcting things that the Christians were teaching when they said, first of all, they used the terminology BC, which you know as being raised in Christianity or even in the world today, BC meant before Christ. And Dr. Kinley gave a lecture about the birth of Jesus versus the birth of Christ, is the way it's, that's the name of the transcript. Now, what he did is he showed the physical birth there through Mary and how that transpired by the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit that impregnated Mary, which was mentioned again tonight. But the birth of Christ, that took place before the earth was even made. So that Yahshua who is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world actually was brought forth before before anything else comes comes into into being and that is to show you that the sacrifice was prepared from the beginning because of the purpose of salvation Yahweh must prepare that salvation ahead of time prior to the sin coming into the world, and the need for being, uh, if you will, raised from that dead state into a state of eternal life, he sets up that all preparation must take place before the world comes in. Now, I said that because I'm trying to show you how Yahshua was born in the realm of eternity, and that that birth was a direct transmutation of pure spirit into that form, that that that, that uh, 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 incorporeal form that we talk about up there, that was the birth of Christ. That was the birth of Yahshua right then and there. Yahshua did not come forth. Now, in the flesh, that physical body was birthed from Yahweh Elohim, causing that body to be materialized. But in the realm of eternity, the body that we're talking about here, which is that super incorporeal body, was birthed directly from pure spirit. Or it was transmuted. Now, I'm saying that for this reason. When you look at this chart, here's what we teach you. We teach you that Elohim, when Moses went up on top of that mountain, that Elohim appeared, as we know, and that he transformed into that threefold intangible tabernacle and then into himself. Now, that tabernacle on top of Mount Sinai was a figure of the body of Yahshua, because it was showing forth that uh, divesting of glory. Now, what do you mean by that? When they built that tabernacle, if you looked at it from the outside, there was nothing glorious about it. It was covered with badger skin. The outside vessels that were viewed by the people through the straight gate were brazen. But everything inside the tent, which is actually the tabernacle, was golden, And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was, and those vessels that were necessary for atonement to be made were contained inside that non-glorious structure. And what I want you to see is that that structure was all about showing you that the sacrifice was prepared before the sin took place. Now, let me show you what I'm talking about. When Yahweh gathered Israel around Mount Sinai, and he spoke in that law, Israel said, we will do whatever Yahweh tells us or wants us to do. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing it, but that's essentially what they agreed to do. That was a covenant. Now, before they worshiped that golden calf, before they went out there, the very first commandment uh, was in Exodus, the 20th chapter, that they shouldn't make any image of anything in heaven, nor bow down to it. That was the first commandment that was given to them. Now, before they did that, Yahweh already had Moses in that mountain, showing him how to construct that tabernacle. And that tabernacle was a structure for making an atonement for sin once they sinned. Even though the people had not sinned yet, they agreed to keep it, Yahweh prepared salvation or a way of escape before the sin actually took place. Now that structure was prepared, and look up in your chart, when you see all of those days coming down with the hearts in it and so on, those are the days of creation, showing you that the tabernacle or the the salvation was prepared before the foundation of the world. Now that tabernacle is a figure of Yahshua in the flesh. Why? Because it's covered with those skins... And we know there was no beauty or comeliness of those skins. Nobody's going out and getting a badger coat. There was nothing glorious on the outside of that tabernacle. And that was because in order for Yahshua to come in and be the sacrifice for all of our sins, he had to not be in a glorified state then to show that he was willing to step down even further into the likeness of sinful flesh and then be willing to offer himself according to the purpose that was set for him to do, right from the foundation of the purpose, Yahshua was set to be the Savior of heaven and earth. And Yahweh set it up, but he could not do that in a glorified state. He had to come on down. And he had to not only come down, but he had to shed his blood. Now here's another thing Dr. Kinley said. Dr. Kinley said it, this, and you have to understand very care- carefully what Doc is driving at when he makes this statement. He said that Yahweh and did not die for you and neither did Elohim. He said because there was no bloodshed in the pure spirit state or in the incorporeal state. Now, we know that Yahweh is Elohim, and we know that Yahweh Elohim was walking around in that body of Yahshua the Messiah, because that is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. But what I want you to recognize is that in order for salvation to be accomplished, it had to be brought to the lowest possible state in the purpose, which is the physical creation, for him to divest himself of his glory And uh, uh, come on in and walk amongst us as a man suffering all the things that we suffer. Sickness, depression, sorrow, all the things we went through Yahshua had to experience and go through. That made him the champion of our salvation that Paul talks about over in Hebrews. And that he was tempted as we are in all things, but without sin. So, what I want you to recognize is this beautiful purpose, the way he's operating, and as Yahweh is peeling, he's just peeling off glory as he's carrying out the purpose. He's coming out of the state of pure ontological perfection to a lesser state that is a glorified state in itself, which is the superincorporeal form. Then he's further got to come down and take that physical. That, that glorified body off and take on a physical body where, as it says in Isaiah 53, that when we shall look upon him, there shall be no beauty that we should desire. There's no comeliness about him. Yet inside that tabernacle, and I'm going to refer to Yahshua's body as the tabernacle because the physical tabernacle was a divesting of glory. For Elohim to transform into that tabernacle, which was not glorified, from his incorporeal state, shows him divesting himself of that glorified body and in the incorporeal and taking on a physical body. But we know that all the glory was contained inside the tabernacle, past the veil that you could see through. And therefore, we know that all the glory that is in Yahshua is the same glory that was in that incorporeal body to start with, that super body, but now it's hidden by, behind the veil of the flesh. Same glory. And what is that glory? It is the nine divine attributes in their uh, full a state that Yahweh had formed right from the beginning that demonstrates his own nature now watch what Yahshua has to do is he has to die on that cross to fulfill being the lamb slain from the foundation of the world now that Dr. Kinley said when Yahweh stepped down and took off that state of, of, of ontological perfection you can't appreciate that because you don't understand what it's like in, to be in pure spirit Therefore you would appreciate the sacrifice he made right from the beginning of the purpose. Now when he takes off from that state of superincorporeal to a physical body that has no comeliness or beauty that we should desire of him, you now recognize his willingness to make to take on a lowly state. And then we see demonstrated his great kindness, his mercy, his, his knowledge, his intelligence and wisdom as he's walking in the earth plane. And that those divine attributes now are not going to be overshadowed. Now, listen to what I'm going to say here. Those attributes will no longer be overshadowed by the appearance of a superincorporeal body that you would focus, if you saw him in his superincorporeal state, you would be looking at this brilliance that is beyond your ability to comprehend, to even understand something that brilliant. See, he will outshine the noonday sun. Your focus would be on that. But now when he comes down in the flesh, he takes off that body so that you can now see the glory of the attributes in of themselves not overshadowed by the outer covering, which is the superincorporeal body, and recognize the glory of Yahweh was manifested in that body. Why is that important for you to see that? Because you yourself will become a partaker of the divine nature. And you will understand that the the attributes, as they develop in you, that is the glory of Yahweh. Now that glory is already inside each of us in this class tonight. You are shining like lights on the inside, but the world is in darkness, and the light shineth in darkness, but the darkness comprehends it not. They don't see the light that is in you. But those of us that have the Holy Spirit, we saw the light shine in Sharon tonight. We saw the light shining through May tonight. We see that spirit of Yahshua's nature, coming forth through those bodies and we are not discerning oh that's Joshua because May was more brilliant and in and, and, and Sharon than that noonday Sun. We're looking only at the attributes now and we're understanding the glory of those attributes because later, we're going to peel off these bodies and put on that super incorporeal body, and we'll understand that the true glory that all of us have is not that body itself, but the nature that has already been placed in us that now goes along with that super incorporeal body. I don't know if what I'm saying is too complex. I hope it isn't. I'm trying to show you the, the fabric of, of the spiritual essence of who Yahshua and Yahweh Elohim is and who you are. What's happening within you as you are being shapen in righteousness by the divine nature forming in you and you are becoming a glorified creature. And at the end of the world, when Yahshua takes off these physical bodies that we all have, the world is going to see the beauty and the glory that was once in that physical body. They're going to see it now for what it really is. That's why we have to be circumcised of these physical bodies. Now, Yahshua was the lamb slain from the foundations of the world. Yahshua in that state, right from the foundation in eternity, before there was time. Does not have a birth date that you can say is December 25th. Everybody's looking for December 25th. The birth of Jesus. The birth of that's what they think. Well, we know, first of all, that's not the right, the right physical birthday that he was born anyway. But I want you to know that Yahweh never had them celebrate the birth of Yahshua in the flesh because that's not his true birthday. His true even if they had the right day, his true birthday was in eternity, and you can't put a date on it. And Elohim was not giving birth to Yahshua in eternity. Elohim was the one who Yahshua was in eternity that had come forth from pure spirit in transmutation. So what I want you to recognize now is this. Once Yahshua comes in and fulfills dying on that cross and shedding his blood and the world witnessing the great suffering that he went through for us, the great kindness the great sacrifice that he was willing to make that we can comprehend now we can be taken up with him in the resurrection when Joshua was in that tomb all those souls that had lived down through what you read from Genesis all the way down to Malachi that we would look at as the patriarchs men that we would consider to be a righteous man people like Noah people like Abraham and so on. Every one of them came short of the righteousness of Yahshua the Messiah, and they had to wait for a Redeemer. Now, what happened is they were laying in a state of repose. Now, we call it they were uh, uh, in, in hell. Now, hell doesn't mean the lake of fire, by the way. It means the grave. Yahshua had to go back while he was in that tomb, while he laid on that Sabbath, back down to Adam and all of those that were asleep in the dust of the earth to open up the scriptures to them and show that he had come in now and atoned for them now when he resurrected those bodies came up out of those graves he'll go on in and testify of the resurrection now Dr. Kinley said those bodies couldn't come out of there until Yahshua first rose because the head has to come up first and then the body follows. Now, in the resurrection, that shows that when Joshua rose, he was going to raise all of those members of his body with him. Now, as Joshua raises, remember when he came out of the tomb, and the woman thought he was the gardener. If you remember, I think it was Mary Magdalene, but uh, you you don't have to quote me on that exactly. I I I, I seem to recall it was Mary Magdalene. Uh they they she thought he was the gardener. And he said, Don't when she understood that it was Joshua, he said, Touch me not, for I have not yet been glorified. Now Yahshua has to come up in that resurrection, and he's going to be putting on glory as the purpose from that point forward progresses. Because from the beginning of the purpose, we are coming down from pure spirit to incorporate, superincorporeal, to incorporeal, to corporeal. Now, as he takes off the flesh, he's now going to be going back up to a state from uh, levels of, of glorification, if I can put it that way. He did not raise a glorified body. He raised a quickening spirit. And then they saw him ascend, and as he ascends into heaven, he's putting on that incorporeal And then later, of course, he's going to uh, reflect that superincorporal body at the close of this age. And then after that's done, Yahweh's not done there, because at the end, we're all going back to that state of ontological perfection. Now, that glory is being put back on, on the upside of the round trip, coming out of pure spirit, coming down, and then going back up again. And Yahweh has been orchestrating and doing it all himself, right from the beginning. It was him that was in Elohim, creating the creation. That was him and Elohim in that physical body of Yahshua the Messiah, fulfilling that sacrifice that had to be made, the shedding of blood, the ability to withstand that great torture and pain that he went through uh, because of the love and the joy that was set before him, which was to have those souls raised uh, that were in that grave and have us redeemed and carried back to, uh, per, through him to perfection to be presented to the Father, that was great joy for him. He was willing to go through the death of the cross and that, all of that pain and suffering for the joy that was set before him is what we read in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Now, this purpose is so, how can I say it? so wonderfully designed and yet it can be uh so simple and yet it can be so profound at the same time only way we can grasp these things is by Yahshua revealing to us how this purpose works and the purpose has always been salvation and really ultimately the purpose is that we might know yahweh how he actually is and truthfully exists, and understand his great love for, uh, towards us. And we, in turn, he wants us to love him. And so that's what he's doing. This is what he's set up in the purpose to do. And so what we're recognizing then is that that lamb being slain from the foundation of the world was the beginning of the purpose now, in Revelation, let's go to the first chapter of Revelation for a minute. And I want you to read where Yahshua ta- uh, identifies that he's the Alpha, the Omega, and so on.
2: Okay. Um...
5: It's in the first chapter.
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, I'll start at nine. Revelation 1 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Yahshua the Messiah, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of Yahweh and for the testimony of Yahshua the Messiah. I was in the spirit on.
5: All right, we don't have to start uh, at one. Get down where Yahshua just uh, 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 identifies yeah, it's himself. One.
2: It's the next one. Okay, 111, saying I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in the book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. Is that what you wanted?
5: Gary, let me get over there. I'm not there. I'm looking up something while I'm talking to you, but let me get over there so that I can uh, just pinpoint it. Hang on for one second. And somebody else get their finger over in Hebrews 8, 8 and 2, and start at 1. But I don't want that right now. Uh, let me go over to Revelation here. All right. Now. Read five, first of all. Revelations 1 and 5.
2: And from Yashua the Messiah, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood.
5: Now here's Yashua the Messiah. And listen, when Yahweh took on that shape and form, We were in Yahshua from the beginning. We were chosen in him, as Paul said in Ephesians, the first chapter. And he loved us from the beginning. He loved us before we were born. And and you see the the witness for that, if you remember, is Esau and Jacob. Yahweh loved Esau and hated... (laughs) I'm sorry. He loved uh, uh, Jacob and hated Esau right from the beginning. Before they were even born, before they had done anything. Mm
0: -hmm.
5: And that's because he already set the purpose of which vessel was going to reflect which mystery. So here we find out that Yahshua loved us and he washed us from our sins with his own blood. Now Dr. Kinley put it like this about that point about no bloodshed. In the angelic or in pure spirit, he said, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Remission means forgiveness. Without the forgiveness of sins or remission, there's no atonement that can be accomplished or acceptable. Therefore Yahshua could not save us without the shedding of blood. And you could read all about that in Hebrews where they talk about that uh, that uh, everything was dedicated by blood with blood, and there's no yeah. remission of sins. Now, what I want you to know, then, is Yahweh had made, when, when uh, uh, we read in our aims tonight, that Yahweh ordained from the beginning that there's no other name which we can be saved but by the name of Yahshua. Because Yahshua is the only one that shed his blood. All right. Now, here's the here, here's the paradox of it all. It was Elohim walking around in that body. That was him Mm -hmm. that was down there in that body that shed, that the blood was shed in, and it was Yahweh that was in Elohim. So really, the whole God had died for us, ladies and gentlemen, in reality. But it's got to be Mm -hmm. focused upon that body, that physical body of Yahshua the Messiah and the blood that he shed for us to receive eternal life and salvation. Now, Mm -hmm. keep reading down, uh, I want you to skip. Go to 8.
2: Revelations eight. I am Alpha and Omega.
5: Now that's Greek. That's the first letter of the Greek alphabet and the last letter of the alphabet. In other words, I'm from start to finish, in other words. Go ahead.
2: The beginning and the ending, saith Yahshua, which is and which was and which is to come. The now Yahshua
5: is the beginning. This is Yahshua speaking. John. He said, I'm the beginning and the ending. Now we know in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. But Elohim is not a name. It's a title. Yahshua was not revealing himself or the Father in those first three ages. I'm talking about the creative, the uh, uh, antediluvian, and post ages. He did not reveal himself or the Father at that point. He was laying out, laying down all of the manifestations and groundwork for when he came in and then then revealed that he was the Messiah and then opened up to us our understanding how it was him doing the whole thing. And I'll show you a witness for that. Here's Joshua, the son of Nun, down there in Egypt. Comes up out of Egypt with Moses. He appears to be Moses' minister. His name was... Oshia. Now look up the word Oshia and you're going to find out in Strong's it means salvation. And all of a sudden Moses changed his name to Yahshua from Oshia which means Yahweh is salvation. So what we got, what you got to understand is, is that Elohim said beside me there is no other savior. But when he comes in to fulfill and bring in the new covenant And pour out his spirit and begin the process of revelation, his name has to be known that it is Yahshua, which means Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh Elohim doesn't mean Yahweh is salvation. You can argue all you want and say, well, that was Yahweh Elohim. And I'm not arguing it, you're right. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is salvation. So until he reveals that he's salvation, the purpose is not accomplished. So when he comes in, that's when he reveals. I'm Yahweh, all right. I'm Yahweh Elohim, all right. But I'm Yahshua. I am Yahweh is salvation.
1: Five minutes, please.
5: I got it. Thank you. Now listen, I don't have time to get into all this. Go over to that other scripture I call for in Hebrews eight. Start at one.
3: Hebrews eight and one. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which Yahweh pitched, and not
5: man. Stop right there. What do you mean the true tabernacle? Was it the tabernacle in the wilderness, the true tabernacle? It came right out of the vision that was shown to Moses on the top of Mount Sinai. Well, the answer is yes and no. Because the answer is, yes, it was true, and it was given by vision, but it was a manifestation. There was a greater tabernacle than the one that that one in the wilderness was pointing to. The true tabernacle was not pitched by man, but it was pitched by Yahweh the Father himself. Well, when did he do that? That takes you back to Proverbs, There, I think it's 8.22, where Dr. Killian in the textbook talks about that, uh, that is a, uh, 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 a scripture that is expressing the bringing forth of Elohim by Yahweh in the purpose. And you'll have to read that for yourself. But that is the true tabernacle, which Yahweh pitched and not man. He pitched the tabernacle. We say that Elohim and the tabernacle are one and the same. But I want you to know the true tabernacle is that superincorporeal glorified body of Yahshua that Yahweh constructed himself. Right there at the beginning of the purpose. The physical tabernacle is a type and a shadow and an allegory of it. So I want you to know that Yahshua is the tabernacle come down from heaven, dwelling amongst men. And when they went into the land of Canaan, all they did is, after they set up the tabernacle for a while, then eventually they took out the vessels that were in the holy place and most holy place and put them in the temple the temple was a permanent glorified structure the same vessels that were in the temple which is a figure of elohim in a superincorporeal form were the same vessels that were in the tabernacle which didn't look glorified showing you that the interior that is to say the soul or the nature was one in the same i hope you got something out of it thanks for your time Uh, if you have any questions you can either uh, uh, write them in or call me or something like that but that's that's the way i see it thank you very much peace and yashua
1: thank you dr volpe and i'd like to thank everyone that has uh, participated in our zoom class Uh, we have members throughout the country um joining us tonight and also those that have viewed us on YouTube, we appreciate you uh, hearing from us. And uh, we are still continuing our Zoom classes every Wednesday at 7 o'clock and we are also meeting uh, at the Salina Civic Center in Dale on Saturdays at 7 o'clock. At this time, we will conclude class with the doxology, which are taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him who alone is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our sovereign, belong glory majesty dominion and power both before all time and now and ever let the class say hallelujah hallelujah